Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to this episode of Ask Amy. This week we're talking all about wills. So I have a special guest in today. Bree Holcomb is with the Hunt Law Firm. Mm -hmm. And you specialize in family law and estate planning. Yes, we do. So I work at the Hunt Law Firm. We've got offices all around the greater Houston area in Katy, Cyprus, League City, and Sugarland. Um, so we're here to serve the Houston population for not only family law matters, but also estate planning. Yeah, and it's the estate planning per, mm -hmm. uh, part of it that we wanted to talk about, and specifically with so don't turn off the TV. Maybe you hear that and you think, oh, that's boring. I don't need to know about that. But my first question was, I mean, who does need to think about and who actually needs a will? Yeah, so the short answer is that everyone needs a will. You know, there's a lot of misconceptions that maybe if I haven't reached this milestone yet, that I don't need a will yet. You know, I don't have kids or I don't own a home. Everyone has property. If you're watching this, you're watching it on a TV or a smartphone. You've got some sort of property that needs to be distributed upon your death. Yeah, but you know, like who wants my old iPhone <laughs> 10? I'm just kidding. You never know. I don't even know if there was an iPhone 10. But I mean, so tell us, start with what is a will? Because yeah. a lot of people may think if I don't have, you know, a home that just costs bukus of money, mm -hmm. then all that'll get sorted out and I don't really need a will. But what exactly is it? So a will is a formal legal document that does a couple of different things. One, it says, when I die, here's how I want my property to be distributed. Who should it go to? And number two, you know, who's going to be in charge of that? We call that person the executor. That person ensures that your wishes are carried out in your will. And three, if anyone has minor children, you've got to name guardians for those those children, who's gonna take care of them upon you and your spouse's passing? And I think for a lot of people, like parents, that last thing mm -hmm. you said is can be a sticking point because yep. then you're like, either I don't want to make that decision or I can't make that decision. Yeah. Like I don't I don't know who I would want to have my children. I mean, what are some of the reasons that you see or that you think people procrastinate or just decide yeah. not to do it. So one, I think blended families, it's hard because you don't want to hurt anybody's feelings and regular families too. You know, maybe your wishes don't align with what someone else wants for you, but at the end of the day, it's your will, it's your property, you should go forth. Two, I think it's hard to think about these decisions. It's hard to sit down and have conversations with your spouse of what should happen if the worst case happens. Three, there's so many what ifs. What if, what if, what if? And mm -hmm. people can fall down that rabbit hole, which kind of leads them from making the step to come in and get estate planning done. And then four, I think um, anyone who has been through a divorce, you know, it's hard to imagine where should my child go? I will tell you this, the way that Texas law is set up, if you're divorced or you are no longer with the parent of your, your child, um, automatically that other spouse, in most cases, is going to retain that child. But what happens if you don't have that? You need to have someone in place to step in. Yeah, and, and so there's the other thing in that I think a lot of people feel like, um, okay, I don't have a whole lot of property or assets, and that aren't there laws in place that say sort of, okay, who my things will go yeah. to, or even debt. I mm -hmm. mean, what everything's going to go to. So the great news is that Texas has what we call default laws. So if you did not create a will, 
Texas has a system in place to distribute your property. We call that intestate. And essentially what that is, is it's a set of rules for if you pass, what does your family makeup look like? And that your property is distributed in that specific manner. Um, oftentimes though, that's not what families want or that's not what a person wants. So it's important to create those wishes and, and get them written in a will and contained in a will so that you're, you can be honored. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and there are so many different, we were talking before we started this, so many different machinations of what your family may look mm -hmm. like and what my family may look like. But certainly Texas law hasn't thought about all of those things. They, they actually kind of have, they have. Um, <laughs> which is great. So if you're married and you pass, your property automatically passes to the other spouse. Same except we may get into some community versus separate property, but that's a topic for a later day. Uh -huh. um, but if you, know, you are on your second marriage and you have kids from your first marriage and you've got a spouse when you pass, it's going to be split 50-50. So oftentimes, you know, the easiest way, again, it I'm preaching to the choir here, is, is to make sure your wishes are written so that they're carried out. Yeah, so people listening to this probably think that's expensive. Mm -hmm. um, and so I wanna cover everything in this podcast. We've got like 30 minutes here. <laughs> so we're gonna talk about all the different things like can I DIY it, mm -hmm. can I do it myself? Um, and sort of at what age you might need a will, because you said everybody needs mm -hmm. a will, but certainly you gotta be at least 18. Yep. Otherwise I'm making the decisions <laughs> for my kids, right? Correct. So um, in order to execute a will in Texas, you actually have to be older than 18. So any child is not going to be able to have a will. Their parents are still going to be the one controlling their property. Um, but you know, oftentimes, like you said at the beginning, people procrastinate. So you may say, I haven't reached these milestones, so I'm not ready yet. Um, having just a simple will that says, hey, I give everything to my parents when I pass. If you're a young adult, maybe that's what you already want to do. You know, have that written in writing, or maybe you want to give something to your sibling. Without having your intent written down, there's no way to know. Um, I would say too, it's important for everyone in every life stage just to have this document. Right. And, and so we talked a little bit about um, plan. I mean, it's all about planning, mm -hmm. but what do people need to know or have in place before they even go see an attorney? Yeah, so what we do at the Hunt Law Firm is we try and make it as easy as possible for you because we know getting in the door is the hardest part, making the appointment and then following through. So, I mean, as far as information, you may not know who you want your executor to be. As part of our consultation process, we talk about what that person is, what their role is, so that you can have a better understanding of hey, this person may be more financially savvy than this person. And we'd have those conversations. At the end of the day, I don't make the decision. The clients do. Um, but just having a rough general idea of the people that you think you might want to be appointed as your executor or your guardians is a great idea. And you said, correct me if I'm wrong, that that's sort of that first consultation where I might you know, not really know a whole lot about what's expected of mm -hmm. me or what kind of information I need to come with, that doesn't cost anything? No, so at the Hunt Law Firm, all of our estate planning consultations are free. Um, most, if not all of the clients who come and see us actually end up retaining for the estate planning package. Um, but we want to make sure that people have access to estate planning. And as we kind of talked earlier, you know, if you want your estate plan to be reviewed by an attorney, because maybe you did it online, that's something that not only we, but other individuals can certainly help with other attorneys. Yeah. And it's not, I know um, that it's not all about possessions. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's just about what that person or what I may want mm -hmm. when I pass. And so we're gonna talk a little bit about that in our, in our next segment, so stay with us. Mm -hmm. 
Welcome back to this Ask Amy. This week we're talking all about wills. Bree Holcomb is our guest, an expert and an attorney who specializes in family law and estate planning. You know, before we kind of get started again with, with more details of, of sort of what estate planning and the estate planning package that you guys offer looks like, you know, just in talking with um, older parents, we tell people that, oh, this will, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, this will is so that people know exactly what you want and that your wishes are carried mm -hmm. out should and when you pass. But I think in large part, it's also a lot about the family. Mm -hmm. and I mean, that's sort of what I was telling my mom, like, hey, if you don't want your children fighting, mm -hmm. I mean, not over things, but yeah. just over, you know, one, one sibling, one child might know what they think mom wanted, uh -huh. <laughs> you know, when she's in the hospital or when something yeah. happens. And then the other person says, no, one time she told me this. Mm -hmm. So I, th for this part, I kind of want to talk about the things that are not necessarily what you're doing with the possessions, but a will and estate planning yeah. has a lot to do with um, some of these other these other things describe yeah. other things that you guys cover. Yeah, so in our estate planning package, we not only cover what happens if you pass, but what happens if you become incapacitated. There are so many other circumstances where that happens and people don't have documents in place to ensure that their wishes are carried out in that aspect as well. Um, to kind of jump into it, we've got a couple of different. One is gonna be a power of attorney. This is a financial power of attorney or a durable power of attorney. It's a document that says, if I can't make decisions for myself financially, who's gonna make those decisions for me? Man, Brie, that's one that probably a lot of people who are still living yep. and have all of their faculties are really hesitant to sign. Absolutely. But when they sign this, it's only saying at a certain point if something happens. So you can have a springing or a, um, man, I lost, lost the term of the word. Yeah. You can have a power of attorney that becomes effective immediately or upon disability. Um, so you can choose where should this power of attorney take place. Got mm -hmm. it, okay. All right, so that's a big mm -hmm. one and then that's covered. And then talk about some of the other sort of instances or, or I guess they're forms, they're yeah. documents. So they're, they're statutory forms that come from the probate code. Um, one of them is the medical power of attorney. So the financial power of attorney just deals with financial decisions, while the medical power of attorney says, if I can't make a medical decision for myself, who should make that decision for me? Um, you know, again, there's many instances where someone could get in a car accident and needs to consent to some sort of, of procedure. You want to have someone that you know and you trust to make those calls for you. Yeah, again, hard things to mm -hmm. think about, but important things to think about. I mean, you said it happens far more often that somebody yeah. is in an accident or is incapacitated and can't make these decisions than an unexpected death. Yep. Yeah, and, and so life changes, we know that. Um, how often are you seeing people that maybe had a will? Like if I had a will done 10 years ago, at what point, what are the reasons why I would want to update it? Just more children? Yeah, if you've got more children, if your family makeup has changed, if let's say the executor that you named has passed, well, we want to make sure that we amend and we update the documents to reflect your current wishes. There's no limit on how many times you can update your documents. Every time you execute them, if they're done and drafted properly, it will revoke all prior documents that you did. Okay. Um, but you just wanna make sure that with your current stage that you're at, your documents reflect your wishes. Okay, and we're talking about, I know you mentioned that you don't really, or there, you can't execute a will if you're under 18, mm -hmm. but one thing that you mentioned that was really interesting, I think a lot of parents don't think about when your kid goes off to college or gets to be college mm -hmm. age, that they're now an adult. Yeah, they are. And so that means they can make decisions for themselves. And if something were to happen, let's say you're at A&M and you get into an intramural you know, accident, 
who's going to make those decisions? If you don't necessarily have this power of attorney in place or a HIPAA release or an advanced directive, um, maybe somebody else is making those calls and as parents you want to make sure that you're protecting your children at all costs. Do most of the universities, like if my child is participating in activities or as part of sort of the college enrollment process? When I went to Baylor I did not execute anything like that. Really? So as far as prior to me becoming an attorney, you know, I didn't have anything in place so my parents wouldn't be able to just step in automatically and, and right. ensure, you know, that care was given. Yeah, I mean, and that's a scary thought mm -hmm. because, I mean, wherever you're going away to school, it's yeah. like, hey, am I getting that phone call and their doctor's yeah. calling me, telling me what's going on? I will tell you, um, I do know that when you play sports at a university, oftentimes they do have the medical power of attorney and HIPAA release, but you're giving that power to the coaches or the coaching staff. You know, if your child is away in Minnesota, playing baseball, you might not be able to make that call, make that decision. Or as quickly mm -hmm. as needs to be made. So they're sort of, you're signing that to them, like yes. whoever's there at the time. That makes complete sense. Yeah. Um, so we've talked about medical power of attorney. Um, it, the last the last wishes, I know you kind of okay. discussed that, but, or, or not necessarily last wishes, the do not resuscitate. Okay. That's the one I'm thinking about. Yeah. And that's a difficult one. Is that separate? So we don't actually do do not resuscitate orders. That is something that you need to talk with your doctor about. Mm -hmm. And two, every hospital administration has a different form. Their legal department has different language, different things, really? what Methodist wants, Memorial Hermann may not take. Um, anytime you're going in for a major surgery, that's something that they're gonna ask you is, do you have this? they will provide you with forms in order to fill that out. Okay, but I guess maybe what I'm thinking about is if you're in an accident and they and you are on machines that mm -hmm. are helping you breathe. That would be our advanced directive. So okay. that is a document that says, if I have a terminal or an irreversible condition, should I remain on life-sustaining treatment? That's oftentimes a very hard decision to make, and yeah. that's where I think a lot of people struggle is, do I? am I ready to make that call? Everyone has unique experiences with accidents and miracles happening so it's it's tough to write down on a piece of paper what you want yeah but can you imagine it? it's probably even tougher for your adult children mm -hmm. or surviving spouse to make that decision Absolutely. if you've never had that conversation before and that's why I say this is so important because your medical power of attorney follows your advanced directive you make that decision in your advanced directive to either remain or not remain on life-sustaining treatment so by making that decision you take that power and that guilt away from that person to say I had to pull the plug on mom. I had to pull the plug on my child. You made that call. They're just honoring your wishes. Yeah. Um, I want to talk when we come back, um, probably for a big portion of our audience, uh, the information that they really want to know is, can I do this myself? <laughs> I mean, I know that, you know, relatives who have said, if something happens to me in my top dresser drawer, <laughs> I have a piece of paper with all my accounts listed. I want to talk about that. <laughs> like, is that even a thing like you know so say yeah you've got all your accounts written down but how am i mm -hmm. going to go and pull money out of that and sort yeah. of just what happens when somebody dies yeah. just while we're on the subject of documents i mean is there something that if somebody doesn't have a will they don't have these the advanced directive or the the um, financial power of attorney I mean, is there, I, I feel like it's different if I am married, mm -hmm. um, my spouse, and, and you're both alive. So when one spouse dies, everything, the other spouse is making all those decisions. But then when you have a, a person living, their spouse died years ago, like, 
Yeah, so it, it can create a lot of problems. One thing is, let's say that you become incapacitated and you don't have any of these documents in place, a guardianship may be needed over you in order to appoint someone, it's a legal lawsuit, to have rights to make decisions for your person and your property. We wanna avoid that as much as possible and the court uses a least restrictive means approach. They say, do you have these in place? But in order to have these in place, you've gotta be competent. So you don't ever wanna to get to the point with a loved one where they've lost incapacity and you've got to then proceed through a legal channel, which could cost more money than just going and getting your estate planning done. Yeah, exactly. So we're gonna talk a little bit money and when I say that, I mean, <laughs> Can I do it for free? Can I do it myself? Can I have that note tucked in my dresser drawer and just let mm -hmm. family members know where that is? We're gonna talk about all of that when we come back. We're gonna take a quick break. Welcome back to this episode of Ask Amy. Bree Holcomb is our guest today talking about wills and estate planning. And now we get to the part where, you know, we thought the questions were tough about sort of your last will, mm -hmm. that is. But a lot of people might be afraid to say, I don't want to pay for that or I don't have the money to pay for that. And is it okay if I, I mean, we've seen all these things online, online mm -hmm. services. So you're not speaking one-on-one -on -one with an attorney, but I'll throw one out there like LegalZoom. Mm -hmm. I think they have a, you know, you can go on and do your will. Is that just as good? What am I missing if I do that? Yeah. So, you know, the one thing about large companies like LegalZoom is that they may not have things specifically tailored to Texas law. That's going to be incredibly important. I know we had talked about it before break, but if you have a will that you may be prepared on LegalZoom and you want to have an attorney look it over, you can do that. You know, I'll never forget my Nana going and taking her will that she did from Office Depot to a board certified estate planning attorney and saying, is this good enough? And, you know, based on what was in that will, it was. Okay. Um, so, so there are ways. One place that I would absolutely direct anyone who maybe can't afford an attorney is um, TexasLawHelp.org. So not only do they have great resources for any type of law that law need you have in Texas, mm -hmm. but they specifically have stuff for estate planning. They've got forms for wills that will walk you through and provide instructions on how to execute them, who needs to be there, what a disinterested witness is. Mm -hmm. um, they've got forms for power of attorney and medical power of attorney. They're a great resource. Wow, okay, and so we will put that direct link in our mm -hmm. show notes where people can find that information. I asked about a, a website that I've heard about for a little while called Five Wishes, mm -hmm. and you said, oh, doesn't really apply to us here yeah. in Texas. So Five Wishes, I wasn't real familiar with it before Amy had kind of talked about it, um, is essentially a place where you can fill out a form that discusses healthcare, um, changes. Uh -huh. The first and the second wish are essentially a medical power of attorney and an advanced directive. Your doctors here in Texas are not going to take the five wishes form. They require a statutory form, which is the medical power of attorney. So the, while the five wishes is great in theory, you want to make sure that, again, your documents conform with Texas law. That it, I, I never thought about mm -hmm. that, that it was specific to each state. So mm -hmm. if I move, so say, say a family has relocated or an individual has relocated and they did their will in one state, should they need to get that updated? I would always recommend getting it updated. You know, it can become complex, especially when you're moving around, but where you die is where your property's gonna be governed or where your will's gonna be governed. So you wanna make sure that, you know, your documents are in conformance with where you are. So what about divorced couples? So for example, maybe they had a will together when they were married mm -hmm. and then they get a divorce 
um, if they don't update it, what happens and they're no yeah. longer married? So the great news is that Texas law basically says you're divorced, there's probably not an intent to keep your spouse in that document, so we're not gonna treat that spouse as receiving property. Um, as a note, couples cannot execute wills together. That's like oh. a big no-no in our world. They each execute their own will. They can give each other their property. Um, so I give all my property to you, you give all your property to me, uh -huh. but there is no joint legal document. Got it, and what happens if I don't have a will and I have children who are minors mm -hmm. and I haven't set up anybody to sort of... Yeah, so a fantastic question and why it's really important and I stress that these documents are necessary. At that point in time, your family is going to be fighting over who should take those children. The goal of estate planning is to minimize family disruption and minimize that pressure because once you're grieving for a lost loved one, emotions are high. So you wanna have set out who these people should be, but if that's the case and you pass without a will, we're in a, we're in a court proceeding, which is gonna cost once again way more than what an estate plan would. Right, and if minors are involved mm -hmm. in all that. Uh, I mean, and it's really kind of sad. Uh, talk to us a little bit about that, you, you keep using the word execute, mm -hmm. because that's sort of a legal term yeah. that if I go about this with all the proper legal forms, I have to execute it. Mm -hmm. So then it's telling me that if I write that handwritten note, write down all my account numbers <laughs> and anything my loved ones may need to know, if it's not executed, I mean, what does yeah, that mean? Does so, you know, when we draft a formal will, you've got two disinterested witnesses who come and they witness you signing and giving your property to someone. That person cannot be a beneficiary who's the person who's inheriting from your will. Um, you have a notary who signs those documents as well. Texas does allow for what's called a holographic will, which is you handwriting your will out on a piece of paper. It's got to be in your own handwriting, and there are a couple of key terms that you want to make sure are included. TexasLawHelp.com has a great form that a person can go to so that they can structure that on their own. Oh, that tells you what words mm -hmm. and what terms that yep. you need in there. That's really great information. So TexasLawHelp.org will include those in the show notes. Of course, we'll mm -hmm. direct people to Hunt Law Firm as well. Um, so anything that you feel like we've missed or common questions yeah. that you get from people who come in who have not thought about this, who may be doing it for the first time. That's a good one. So I want to just stress how easy Hunt Law Firm tries to make the estate planning process. So the way that our process works is you come in for a consultation. We review all of these documents in detail, discuss who should be appointed as your agent or as your executor. Um, and then what we do is we draft your documents. Typical turnaround time is two to three days. Mm -hmm. The way that I view estate planning is you shouldn't be waiting on me or any other attorney for weeks to get some sort of document. You took the hard step by coming in and we want to make sure that we're appreciative and respect your timeline. So we try and get drafts to you so you can see them, review them. We'll set up a meeting so we can go over them. I want you to know 100% what you're signing. If you've got questions, there's no silly questions. Um, once you approve your drafts, we will bring you in for the signing ceremony or our signing party. We provide two disinterested witnesses, a notary. We sign all the documents in their original form, provide them to you as well as a USB so you can make copies. Yeah, that's awesome. So you kind of have an idea of what mm -hmm. to expect. I think that you, your office told me that first initial consultation, you could even do by Zoom, Yep. the one that is no cost. I, I interviewed somebody recently who lost a, a parent, um, and they're an adult, and they lost their adult parent, and they said, I never realized how expensive yeah. dying was, mm -hmm. how expensive death is. Yep. I mean, from dealing with the funeral to, I mean, just all of the financial matters that that person may have had before they died. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, just quickly, and I don't know uh, sort of how much you know about this or how much you talk to people about debts. I mean, mm -hmm. it's, maybe it's not just what a person 
owns and their assets, but debts, is that entirely different? I mean, you can't assign yeah. those to anybody, but. No, so your, your debts are part of your estate. And when you go through the probate process, which is the process once you have passed and how your will gets administered and we take account um, of all the assets and the debt that you have so things are paid. You know, just because you die doesn't mean that everything just goes wipe, away. wipes out and goes away. If it did, that would be fantastic, but that's not how things work. So then your estate is like, hey, they have this mm -hmm. piece of property, they have this, from the sale of that, it'll pay off what you owe yep. here. And that's sort of all covered and all that. Yep, that's, that is the probate process. All right. Well, I appreciate you coming on and talking with us today. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> We're going to tell you how to reach Bree Holcomb at Hunt Law Firm. If you have any follow-up questions or you can put them here and on our show notes and we'll get back to you and answer your questions. Thank you so much. Thank you. Have a great day.